Um, we've been in this uh, teaching series for several weeks now uh, called uh, Life That's Truly Life. And this series was born out of um, a statement that Jesus made when he said, I've come to bring life for you and I want you to experience life to the full. And the Apostle Paul said, um, I want you to grasp hold of this life that's truly life. And so we've been talking about this life that's truly life, this life that's only found in Christ and how it uh, affects the different areas of our lives. So we've talked about our past and how Christ liberates us from our shame. And we've talked about um, jo- really finding true joy at having Jesus at the center of our life and uh, how dethroning ourselves in our life and putting others first is the way to enjoy this this full life in the context of our relationships. And we've spoken about our work lives and rest and how we uh, enjoy the fullness of what God has for us in those areas. I'm excited to continue today uh, in this series. I was having a conversation recently with a friend about the subject of humility uh, and, and what humility is. And we were talking about the fact that uh, humility isn't really just one quality, like, oh, I'm just going to try to be humble and, you know, humility is a simple thing I can just try to be. We we're talking about the fact that humility is really kind of a mixture of qualities. I mean, I think if you know somebody that you would describe as humble, you would describe them with a number of qualities. They're probably compassionate, uh, they're kind, generous, selfless, patient. I mean, there, there are other qualities too. Um, and, and we are called to be humble, but how do we actually get there? I mean, if you're trying to act humble, uh, you're not humble, <laughs> uh, because true humility is, by definition, authentic. It can't be faked. It ceases to be humility uh, if you're not genuine about it. And I think this is true of a lot of qualities of Christ-likeness, is they're kind of a mix of attitudes and behaviors that have to be genuinely lived out. And I think another quality like that uh, that I want to focus on today is generosity, uh, scripture teaches, and Jesus said over and over and over, that the life that's truly life is a generous life. Um, and there are unique forms of joy and new depths of relationship uh, with God that can only be discovered through generosity. Uh, but like humility, generosity is kind of this mix of attitudes and behaviors. It's not just one thing. You could almost might think of generosity as kind of a, a constellation of qualities that include things like selflessness, self-control, patience, compassion, uh, trust in God, thankfulness. And I'm sure there are other things that we can include in this list. But a generous person sort of exhibits these qualities, not perfectly, but consistently over time. Uh, There's this mix of qualities that a generous person uh, embodies. Uh, But how do we do this? How how do we uh, genuinely become a person that others would call generous? How do we move in that direction? I think there's one foundational biblical mindset that uh, if we embrace, um, it opens the door to generosity and growing in generosity. Generosity. Um, it's a first step that I believe if you take this first step, it transforms your heart uh, in a number of ways. And that foundational mindset that I want to explore with you today is stewardship. Um, in Jesus' disciple, Peter, Uh, summarized in just one verse this call of stewardship on our lives. Uh, So I want to briefly look at that that verse with you. Uh, In 1 Peter 4.10, Jesus' disciple Peter wrote this. He said, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And that's a very rich verse, so I want, I want to uh, pull out some of the nuances there because there's more than uh, meets the eye when we just read that. The first phrase there is what we should do, what, what the biblical call is uh, of stewardship. The second phrase is why we should do it. So I actually want to start with the second phrase. Um, it says we're called to be faithful stewards. Now, the word steward uh, in the original Greek language Paul was writing in is economos. So this is where, in English, not surprisingly, we get words like economy and economist. Um, the eco part of that word means house in Greek. And so it, it, they were words in the ancient world used to refer to someone who would manage a household or, or um, a government administrator of some kind. And so this was the idea of a steward was someone who is a manager or a caretaker of something. That was the picture. Um, uh, and, and so what that means, of course, is that you are not the owner. You are the manager and the caretaker of something. And so that's what Peter is saying, is we are called to faithfully manage, administer, take care of something. And what is it that we're called to ca- uh, be caretakers of? Paul te- or Peter tells us God's grace in its various forms. God's grace in its various forms. Now, that word grace uh, in Greek is charis, uh, and it means undeserved favor. It's a, it's a word that's in a family of words that the biblical writers use that, that all orbit around the idea of a gift. So uh, gr- grace, biblical grace, is undeserved favor. It, God's grace is his blessing, his favor, his kindness, his provision in our lives given to us, not because we deserve it, but because it is a gift he wants to give us. That's the picture of grace. And so Peter's telling us this amazing thing. We are called to steward, to manage God's grace in its various forms as it's given to us. And I think the word various there sounds kind of dry, but it's actually a, a wonderfully uh, evocative word that, that Peter used there that was used in his day of describing uh, like beautiful diversity. So it was used of animals that have different uh, patterns of like spots and uh, c- uh, very colorful clothing and songs with a variety of musical themes. And so the picture is we have received this beautiful, rich diversity of gifts from God, including, of course, our financial provision. Um, and we are called to steward those things. Uh, but not just our financial provision, intangible things too are gifts of God's grace. I mean, when, if you want to think about your financial life, I mean, the job that you have is a gift of God's grace. Uh, the education you may have received to be able to have the job that you have or the, the experience that you have that enabled you to get the job you have, those are gifts of God's grace. Even where and when you were born are gifts of God's grace. I mean, if you were born in the 1200s, in Nepal, you would have been poor. And so where and when we're born, this is gifts of God's grace, part of his provision. And so we are meant to view ourselves, as Peter is saying here, as stewards of the, the beautiful variety of gifts that God has given us. Um, but what are we supposed to do? The first half of this verse tells us whatever gift you've received, you're supposed to use it to serve others. That's the call of stewardship. And what's interesting is the word gift there, whatever gift you've received, it's a related word to grace. In fact, it's charisma. So charisma and charis 
Grace and gift, as they're translated in English, are actually from the same family of words, again, about a gift. And so it's saying the gifts of provision we've received in our life are manifestations of God's grace. They're parts of God's grace working in our life. And they are intended not only to be used in our life, but they are intended for the special purpose of serving other people. Because, as the second phrase taught us, we are stewards, caretakers, managers of the rich variety of gifts that God has given us, not owners. So this is kind of the concept of stewardship. Um, Just to kind of summarize some of these insights, this is stewardship. Whatever resources we have, we did not earn them entirely on our own. They were a gift of God and usually a, a long series of gifts from God. And secondly, whatever resources we have, we don't own them. We manage them according to God's vision and values. This is the biblical picture of stewardship that we see in this verse, but really throughout the entirety of Scripture. This is the lens of stewardship that we are meant to have. And if we embrace this idea in our heads and in our hearts, that is a doorway to generosity, to becoming a generous person. You no longer view your resources as yours Uh, to manage according to your vision and values. They're gifts from God that are meant to be re-gifted, so to speak, at least in part. Speaking about money specifically, Jesus was very clear with his warnings about our financial life. He, He basically taught, if we don't view ourselves as stewards when it comes to our money, but instead we act like owners, it will be spiritually corrosive to us. Uh, The financial gifts we are given will spoil if, if we are not generous with them. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. In other words, your heart goes where your money goes. And that is why we are called, commanded even, to be consistently give away a notable chunk of our money, not just to serve others, but for our own good as well. Because there's this picture, you know, if we don't give generously and consistently, the biblical writers are basically saying money will become like a python coiled around your heart and it will rule you you won't enjoy it it will be a source of constant anxiety and suffocate any possibility of becoming a, gen- a genuinely generous person so this is the the co- biblical concept of stewardship um, that leads us to a place of generosity and so i wanted to start there just to give the concept but i want you to turn with me now to second corinthians 8 because there's this amazing example from the first century church of what this can and should look like in our lives as individuals and in our lives as the church. Um, so I want to walk uh, with you through a few verses in Second Corinthians 8. Um, if you're not familiar with where that's found, Second Corinthians is in the New Testament um, after, shockingly, First Corinthians. So, Second uh, Corinthians is a letter that the Apostle Paul, one of the key first century leaders, wrote to a group of Christians in the city of Corinth. Um, and he's talking to them about a variety of things, but within this letter, there's a section where he's talking about stewardship. And so that's the part I want to uh, talk with you about. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 8, Paul wrote this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given The Macedonian churches, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. 
For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So let's stop there for a moment and and talk about what's going on here. So uh, the Apostle Paul had planted churches. He had started churches across the Mediterranean world in places where they had never heard of Jesus before. He planted churches in areas that today we call the Middle East and also as far west as Italy. And uh, he was shepherding these churches often via letter because he couldn't be in every place at once. And he's writing this letter uh, to the Corinthians. And I want to show you um, kind of a map here to help you illustrate, uh, understand what's going on. So he's using the Macedonian Christians, those Christians as an example for the Corinthian churches. Um, Now, the Macedonian churches were in the north of Greece, and Corinth is in the south of Greece. Um, The the Macedonian churches would include the Philippians and the Thessalonians. And so Paul is talking to the Corinthians, but he's saying, hey, let me tell you about the other Greek churches, the Macedonians, and what they did. Um, Because here's what was going on. The Greek churches were relatively wealthy, they were, they were on trade routes, and they, they had a lot of resources. Um, but the Christians in Judea to the east near Jerusalem were poor, and they were experiencing a famine at this time. And in several of Paul's letters, not just 2 Corinthians, several of his letters, Paul was encouraging some of these churches to take up a collection and offering and give generously to support their brothers and sisters in Christ in Judea who were really struggling. And so Paul is trying to help these relatively wealthy Greek churches to to view themselves as stewards. They're not owners of the wealth that they have. These have been gifts of God's grace, and they are meant to give generously to serve others, just like Peter talked about in the verse we just looked at. And so Paul's argument to the Corinthians was basically this. The Macedonians, your, your Greek brothers and sisters in Christ to the north, they've answered the call and were incredibly generous. And Paul is calling the Corinthians to do the same. And he, he's holding up the Macedonians as an example. Look at the words Paul used for the Macedonian Christians. He said they responded to this call uh, with rich generosity and also uh, that they gave as much as they were able even beyond their ability, which means they gave sacrificially. Um, It actually affected their standard of living to give what they did. Uh, They had to give up things that they probably wanted to do um, to give what they did. But it was something they did joyfully, Paul, uh, Paul says, entirely on their own, and they viewed it as a privilege to be able to give in this way. So they set a very powerful example for us and certainly for the Corinthian Christians that Paul's talking to. And, and this, we, we need to look to their example because if we really embrace stewardship, we will behave as the Macedonian Christians did. We will have their, their heart. We will give joyfully, entirely on our own, as much as we're able, and even more. Give sacrificially. Now look, of course, God gives us financial resources for us to enjoy, and to, you know, pay our bills. I mean, he's our provider. So much of what he gives us in this area is meant for us. Uh, but we are called, and it's not just in this passage, it's throughout scripture. We are called to give away a large enough portion of our income that we can't have everything that we could afford. We can't do everything that we can afford. We might actually have to lower our standard of living a little 
to accommodate the giving that we are called to, to give. This is stewardship. It's using God's resources to serve others. Um, and so Paul has set this example of joyful generosity in front of us by pointing to those Macedonian Christians and saying, they get it. They get it. Follow their lead. Let's keep reading. Um, in verse 6, Paul continues, So we urged Titus, Titus was a co-worker of Paul's, who would sometimes kind of run errands and messages between these churches. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Look at the language Paul's using. It's grace language, just like Peter used in the verse that we looked at in his letter. Uh, Paul says, look, he says, complete this act of grace. If you're taking notes, I highlight that in verse 6. Complete this act of grace by giving. He says to the Corinthians, you excel in so many areas, in faith, in speech, knowledge, like you have so much going for you. I'm proud of you about so many things, but excel also, as he says, in this grace of giving. Highlight that in the last, last words there. Excel there too in this grace of giving. You know what he's saying? And this is an amazing idea. He's saying to the Corinthians that giving is an act of God's grace funneled through you. Excel in that. God wants to show his grace to people through you. Live that out. Paul is saying what Peter did. Be a steward of God's grace. Realize that's your role. You're a caretaker. You're not an owner. You're a caretaker. And God wants to show his grace powerfully through the way that you manage his resources. Look at the very next verse, verse 8. Paul says this, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So Paul is, I think he's saying in this, in this verse, I don't want you to give just because you think it's a rule and uh, God's going to zap you if you don't. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested not in guilt trips. I'm interested in a genuine heart of generosity, a heart that mirrors the Lord's heart. That's what I'm interested in. And he believes the Corinthians love Christ. He believes they love people. They have a willingness to be generous, he says, but he wants their willingness to actually give is a test of the authenticity of their love. In fact, he says that. I would highlight this. Test the sincerity of your love. This is a moment that will show you what you mean when you say you love people. In fact, that word test in Greek that Paul used was used in the ancient world of coin authentication and the testing of purity of metals. So Paul is saying, you know, you know, is your love for the Lord and others genuine? Uh, giving financially to the Lord's work and seeing yourself as a steward of his grace is, is a fairly reliable test to determine if you actually mean it when you say you love people and you want to serve people. Because it's a tangible demonstration simultaneously of your trust in the Lord and in, uh, for your love of other people. It shows you really have tethered your heart to the Lord and you view what you have as his that you are stewarding. 
in the next verse, verse 9, Paul gives us the key to all of this. The example of generosity, the reason we are called to be generous. Verse 9, Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. It's the gospel. This is the gospel in a nutshell. Look, he says, highlight this, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gift of his Son, the fact that God held nothing back from you. He gave everything he could for you. This is the ultimate example of generosity. In fact, uh, draw some boxes there if you're taking notes or underline. Christ became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. It's speaking spiritually, of course, but this is the picture. This is the gospel of God giving everything for you because how much he loves you and you are worth it in his eyes. And, and what Paul is saying is, if you really get that, if the gospel has really made it down into your heart and you've internalized it in your soul, you won't be able to help but reflect that grace outward to other people and that generosity outward to other people. We are all recipients of God's grace in Christ and as stewards, we're meant to pour that out to others. In the last few verses, Paul gets pragmatic uh, with the Corinthians. Um, Look what he says, verse 10. And here is my judgment. Now, judgment sounds a little harsh to our ears. His, the word he used was closer to kind of opinion. Uh, here's my opinion about what's best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I think a lot of us are like the Corinthians uh, that Paul's writing to. Our our hearts may be in the right place. We want to be generous. We have a generosity of spirit, generosity of heart toward people, but we haven't yet trusted the Lord in this area of giving. Um, And we might have an eager willingness to give, but we have not matched the eager willingness with actually following through and giving. That seems to be what was happening with the Corinthians. They want to give. They love people. They said, hey, we want to give. We are eager. They just have not gotten around to doing it. And that's what Paul is is saying to them. Paul's advice to them is God's advice to us, and it's summarized in these three words. Finish the work. Finish the work. You have the desire to give. You have the heart of a steward. Now all you have to do is actually give. We can trust God in our financial lives, and we ought to trust God in our financial lives. He will provide for us even if we give sacrificially. And by the way, we can trust that he'll accept our gift based on where we are financially. Um, uh, Paul wrote, finish the work, and then he said, um, according to your means. So a sacrificial gift looks different for everybody, you know, with different jobs, different stages of life. There's not like a dollar amount that God's like, you have to give this much or it doesn't count or it's not generous. He's looking directly into our hearts. Is our heart in the right place? Do you view yourself as a steward? Um, yeah, you may feel like, well, I just, I just can't give very much. You know, what's my gift going to do? 
look what Paul said. I would highlight this whole phrase in verse 12. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. In other words, God's not evaluating your generosity based on money you don't have or that you never earned. He's looking at what you do have, what he's entrusted to you, and he's, he's saying, are you trusting me with that? Are you viewing yourself as a steward with this? I think sometimes it's easy to think, and I say that because I thought this for a long time, um, it's easy to think, well, I'll just sort of start giving later when I get kind of on more secure financial footing. I'll have more to give at that point, so I'm just going to kind of wait till I get there. But the problem with that, and I, I learned this the hard way in some ways, um, is that if you're not trusting God with your money when you have a little, it would be very hard to arrive at a place where you earn more and you have a heart of generosity and stewardship at that point. You have to begin cultivating your heart and aligning your heart with the Lord and cultivating habits of stewardship that will lead you to the place that when you make more, if the Lord trusts you with more in the future, your heart of stewardship and generosity is fully formed and ready for that. So begin developing a heart of generosity, a heart of stewardship, a habit of giving now. And then in the future, if the Lord does bless you with more, um, years of stewardship will have yielded and molded a heart deeply rooted in generosity. And it will be very natural to give whatever level of income you happen to have. We are called to give consistently and sacrificially on the one hand. On the other, your heart is what matters the most. I mean, you remember the story? Jesus saw this poor widow in the temple giving her gift. And, uh, you know, Jesus looks at her, and, and he's seeing people bring all kinds of gifts to the temple. And he looks at her and he says to his followers, you know, she just gave more than everybody else. And she had like these two little coins that were basically nothing in terms of the dollar amount. Um, or shekel amount, I can't remember, whatever their currency was. Um, it was not very much, but it was everything she had. It was a sacrificial gift. And it was, you would not do that if you didn't have a heart of stewardship that was rooted in what God's done for you. And so her willingness to give these two coins, which was not very much money, but it was everything she had, was born out of a heart deeply yielded to the Lord and a heart of stewardship. She was a generous person. She knew she was a steward and not an owner. Giving is a gift. All that grace language in, in, the, in these passages about giving, it's all gift language. Um, and, and this gift of giving has both uh, outward and inward results. Outwardly, it accomplishes some things for the kingdom. I mean, uh, when we give uh, to the local church and to elsewhere, it enables God's kingdom work. In the world, the church is his mechanism to distribute his grace and the message of the gospel and and to meet needs throughout the world. And so when we all develop this heart of stewardship and generosity and we give to the Lord's work through the local church, uh, it enables this amazing kingdom work. It enables the ministry of God throughout our community. It enables, your generosity enables real hope to be a church. So there's this outward effect of our inward transformation this practical outworking of God's grace. It enables his work. But then inwardly, there's the personal spiritual side. God grows you through giving because it tethers your heart to Christ instead of to your money. That's what he wants to do. When you give generously, you know what you're doing? 
You are preaching the gospel to yourself when you give generously. That is what you're doing. You're telling yourself that my trust in the Lord is above all, and I'm going to remember that Jesus held nothing back for me. And so my giving is a ref- just a pale reflection of the gift that God gave me. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians, Jesus was rich but became poor for us so that we could know the riches of his grace. And so giving is a way to preach the gospel to yourself, to remind yourself of everything Jesus has done for you. And a reminder that he's your provider. So let me just ask, when you think of your life, and the gifts God has entrusted you, especially in your financial life, do you view yourself as a steward, as a caretaker, as a manager? Or do you still think and act as if you're an owner of what God's given you? Now, I imagine in this room and and in our church, and probably in most churches, we are all in in kind of different places on this. And I know I have been uh, throughout my life. Um, I've had a different... Uh, relationship with money and generosity and giving at different stages of my life. Um, so I want to just kind of talk to various groups uh, that may be in the room. Um, first, if you don't currently really give anything to the Lord of what you earn, I want you to know, um, and, and I speak from experience on this, this is not a sentiment, that you are really missing out on an amazing, meaningful, joyful experience of trusting in the Lord in a very tangible way. Um, Ashley and I have been doing this for many years. We've been tithing. It has not always been easy, uh, but God has blessed us richly. And I don't mean in a reciprocal way, like we gave $500 and then I like found $500 on the ground, like God gave me a rebate. Um, that's not what I mean. I mean that he has blessed us in this way that uh, he has allowed us to ground our family life and our personal spiritual lives in a real tangible trust in the Lord. Because you can say, I trust in the Lord and, and, and feel that, but this is one way you can tangibly say, I really do. I really do trust in the Lord. Here's the evidence. Because of the way I steward my money. Um, and as I said, it's not always been easy, but he's always provided. And, and money, while at times you might feel some anxiety about it, I mean, we do, um, money doesn't rule us. It doesn't rule us uh, having followed the Lord in this way. And it it is scary at times. Um, And there are times I haven't trusted very well. But God has faithfully provided. He's grown us in generosity. And we give every single month of what we earn uh, to the church and to other places as well uh, on top of our tithe here. Um, And I don't say that to pat myself on the back at all. It's because I had wise mentors who helped me to see this and helped lead me through those fearful steps to, to begin doing this when it didn't make any sense. Um, but I found as I took those steps that the Lord gave me courage for those steps uh, more and more as we stepped into stewardship. And I know that if you trust him in this way, he will give you that courage too. Another group, some of you uh, may give kind of occasionally here and there, uh, but not really consistently. Um, you trust God, but there's an element of still trusting in your money that you don't really want to let go of, uh, my prayer for you on just a personal spiritual level is that you would step courageously into this sacrificial giving and experience the joy of really trusting fully in the Lord in this area of your life. 
Some of you uh, do give regularly, and, 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 and you, that's a, a part of your life, and it's a habit, but you don't give sacrificially. Um, the dollar amount you give may even be high, but it's not sacrificial for you. It's not actually affecting the way you live. You're not actually having to give up anything. So you're able to feel generous by giving a lot, but also still trust in your money because you're not really having to make any changes in your life to give what you give. Um, I would encourage you, if that describes you, to prayerfully reevaluate and remember the example of the Macedonian Christians. They gave sacrificially, Paul said, and even beyond their ability. I mean, they, they gave as much as they could even imagine giving. And this is a, it's a high call, but it's the example that's out there. Now, some of you are giving consistently and sacrificially, and that is amazing, and, and, and praise God for you, uh, but you're not done either. Um, none of us are ever done as stewards. Uh, that's part of being a steward, is the fact that you never arrive at a certain level of generosity that you're just like, I'm done, I can now act like an owner with everything else that I have. It doesn't mean that you necessarily just keep giving away more and more and more, more and more and you have nothing left for yourself, but there may be channels of generosity in your life uh, that you haven't even opened your heart up to or your mind up to. And so it's just a continual yielding of your heart to the Lord and saying, okay, this is yours. How are you calling me to be generous with it? And that's the heart of a steward. Um, And by the way, as a church family, as Real Hope Community Church, we want to be stewards. We want to view what we have together. uh, We are caretakers of it. We want to be good stewards organizationally. That's why we try to give away as much as we can of what comes in to support ministries that are outside of even our Real Hope world. Um, And and our elders and our staff, we've talked about wanting to do more and more of that, uh, even increase that percentage in coming years. Uh, But our ability to be generous organizationally is tied to all of our individual willingness to walk in generosity as Jesus has called us to. Um, Some of you were here a couple weeks ago when Joseph visited us from India. Um, This man who is just amazing man of God who's leading over 400 churches. uh, And and he's just an incredible man. And our our church supports him financially, their, their ministry. And I asked him, uh, I was taking him back to the, the bus because he was going up to Dallas, and I, I said, uh, of all the expenses for your ministry, what percentage uh, in terms of the financial support comes from America and what percentage comes from within your ministry, people in India actually giving? And he said, uh, 90% comes from America and 10% comes from the Indian Christians in their congregations. But what's amazing is uh, they have a very high rate of giving among their people. They just don't have very much money. And I I, I just was really blessed by that and challenged because I, I think that our relationship with that ministry is like a modern version of what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians, of the Macedonian Christians who have the resources supporting their you know, brothers and sisters in Judea who were really struggling. Us here in Houston being generous as individuals and then generous as an organization allows us to be that to our brothers and sisters in Christ in India who really need our support. Um, And what a joy for us to be able to do that as a church family, to to walk in stewardship as an organization. Um, My prayer is that our 
collective heart would continue to follow our money as we do that, as we steward our money, uh, our resources in that way. We've all been recipients of God's grace in Christ in its beautifully diverse forms, including our financial provision. And so let's ask God to help us do, as Peter said, to be faithful stewards, managers, caretakers of the grace that we've been given and use it to serve others. Because again, the life that is truly life is a generous life.